Thank you so much, Pastor Vincent and your team uh, for their great hospitality. You know, today we come with great joy. You are so blessed to have a ministry like this. I've always said this. Last night I said that to uh, the Saturday service. I said, can you imagine that if glad tidings doesn't exist, if you would just close your eyes for a moment and just think about what would it, how would it impact your life? If this weekend glad tidings doesn't exist anymore, you will be so depressed. You don't even want to get out from your bed. You do not know even how to carry on on Monday to work. And this is this much of influence that this church have uh, made in your life. Some of you, I got a chance to meet with you. Uh, you grew up in this church. You got married in this church. Your children, they were born in this church. And so on and so forth. Are you happy to be here today? Are you glad that your pastor is here with you today as well, Pastor Vincent? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, we are so blessed. You know, I just want to give a bit of background uh, because I think our message today, um, you need to understand the background and it will make a little bit of sense. We are speaking in regards to unstoppable dream. Uh, before we came, your pastor mentioned to me of the new season and the emphasis. And, uh, and I thought that, okay, maybe I should flow uh, with his heart and his vision. So therefore, unstoppable dream. So let me give you a bit of background of ourselves. Uh, I was born in Sabah, in fact, in a small little town called Boffin. How many of you are Sabahans? Can I see your hand? All right, we've got quite a few here. And uh, my parents, they were from Penang. And, and just after a few years, uh, we were moved back to Penang. So we studied in Penang uh, in the early years. How many of you are from Penang? A lot more from Penang. I did my high school in Malacca, Malacca High School. Malacca? <laughs> oh, not many. I was surprised at the Saturday service. There were no, nobody from Malacca. Wow. So, and, and the Lord called us to ministry full-time, and, and ever since then, 30-plus uh, years ago, uh, we have been serving in different nations. So, uh, we arrived in Hong Kong close to 20 years ago, and your pastor, we had the privilege of having him, I think some 12, 13, 14 years ago to minister to our cell leaders. So ever since we've been there, uh, both children were born in Hong Kong. Uh, many people ask if Hong Kong is our home. I always confidently, I would tell them, I don't think so. Maybe for our children, yes. Uh, but for us, we always love Malaysia. Malaysia is always home. Amen. We love the food, quite an incentive. Uh, you know, the food is, is attractive to us. We still have a Malaysian stomach, and, and we love it. You are so blessed. You know, today, this morning, uh, I want to share with you the title, Unstoppable Dream. For some of us visitors here, maybe you are kind of nervous when you hear the word unstoppable quite a few times from the podium here, and you wonder if the sermon is going to stop. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> I, I'm not known to be a long-winded speaker, so I want to promise you that we will have a happy ending, the plane will land, and by the time you leave the service, you will be so charged up, inspired to face life and going back to work on Monday. Uh, you know, there is this one character that is so familiar, not only to Christians, but even to a lot of non-Christians, this story, this character, this personality that is so inspiring, and his name is Joseph. And Joseph is known as a dreamer. He's the man that dreams. I know some of us here on a Sunday morning, 
you love to dream. <laughs> uh, but if you may just pause for a moment, uh, you know, this session, please don't dream. It is comforting to know as a speaker when I speak, people fall asleep because it must be something about my voice that put them to sleep. <laughs> so t- this morning, I'm going to talk about dreams. Each one of us, we have a dream. So look at Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV Bible. It's about Joseph, and I'm assuming that each one of us, that you know this story and know it very well. Okay, so I jump and I dive straight into chapter 45 of Genesis, verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And Joseph cried, a grown-up man crying. (laughs) And he said, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with Joseph, and when he made himself known to his brothers, obviously, you know the stories. His brothers, they were the one that plotted to kill him, to get rid of him because of jealousy. In fact, because of the dream. Uh, Verse 2, and Joseph wept, and he wept aloud. You seldom see a man crying, sobbing, and weeping, and weeping so loud. So Joseph here is weeping and he wept so loud so that the Egyptians heard it as well as the household of Pharaoh. They heard it as well. So what does it tell you when you hear a man crying so loud? It tells you one thing and simply one, and that is he, he is in deep pain. This man, it is, he is in deep pain and very painful, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually, possibly and mentally. I'm looking at all the guys here in this room. As a man, I could say that a lot of men have a lot of deep wounds in our heart. We are so strong on the outside because we have to. Because so many of our loved ones, they are depending on us. We have to stay strong. But today, it is okay to reveal what is inside of you. Amen? Come on, guys. Amen? All right, that is good. I feel safe. And in verse 3, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Say with me, I am Joseph. Come on. You know, each one of us, we are a Joseph. There is a Joseph in you and in me. There is a Joseph, the dreamer, Inside of us, there is a dream inside of all of you here in this room. And therefore, turn to your neighbor and say, I am a Joseph that has a dream. Come on, turn to your neighbor, help me out. If you're a lady and you don't like to call yourself a Joseph, then I give you permission to say, I am a Josephine. (laughs) But only for today, all right? There is a Joseph. As I was praying and your pastor giving me an idea of, of what is happening in this church, I'm seeing Joseph everywhere in this congregation. Not some of us, but every one of us. And that Joseph that has a dream. For some, it is a Joseph that has lost a dream. For some of us, it is a Joseph that is not sure, unclear of that dream. As I continue on, I need you to begin to think about 
what is that dream that God has given to me? It is a God-given dream. To have a dream is powerful. It is contagious. A dream motivates you every morning. It gives life. I, remind, I, re, I remember the, the man, Martin Luther King Jr., the man that said, I had a dream. Why is there so many people followed him? Not only because he's an orator, not only because he had a dream, but because each one of them that followed him also has a dream. It is not about him, but about the people. They have a dream. There is a reason to live. So today, before I continue on, what is the dream that God has given to you? You just said that I am a Joseph. What is that dream? You know, when I was, when I was in seminary, one day I visited a church in the afternoon, a church that I, I'm not familiar with, and there was a guest speaker that afternoon, a, a speaker that I, I have never seen him. At the end of the message, he called me out and he began to prophesy over me. And he began to say, God has given you an international ministry. Of course, I misunderstood him at that time, what it meant when he said international ministry. But also, I did not take that dream too seriously because I said that would never happen. <laughs> God gave me that dream. I did not take it seriously. I just put it somewhere. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, maybe that is a false prophet. <laughs> but if it did, <laughs> then my God is true. Today, as I look back, I say, wow, God, you gave me that dream. But in between the fulfillment of the dream and the birthing of the dream, there were many obstacles just like Joseph. And maybe for some of you today, there was a dream given to you. Maybe from your parents, from this podium, maybe from a book, maybe directly a revelation from God. And today you have put that aside. Can I call out that dream again inside of you? And at this juncture, you need to turn to the other neighbor that you haven't spoken to yet and say, I believe I have a dream from God. Come on, help me out. This is important. So Joseph said, I have a dream. I, I, I am Joseph. And inside of him, he has a dream. Joseph the dreamer. But at the same time, Joseph had a disturbing question. A question that has been lingering there for a long time. And now it's an opportunity for him to ask. And you must remember, you know the story. After so many years, and now he finally got to meet with his brothers to get even with them. But he asked a question that has no relationship with what happened, the plot. He asked the question, he said, is my father still alive? Very interesting. Is my father still alive? When I was five years old, I remember that evening we were having dinner in the living room. The three of us siblings, we were sitting on that floor. It was still pretty early. And my father went off. He went out from the house. He did not say goodbye. It seemed to me like an ordinary day where he would leave at that time. And we were expecting him to return home. 
but he did not come home. And as a little boy, five years old, I asked myself, is my father still alive? The next day came, he wasn't home. I asked, is my father still alive? A year had passed. There was no news of him. There was no news from him. Is my father still alive? Two years have gone by. Is my father still alive? Many years have passed. Is my father still alive? I asked. And one day we decided to put out in the local newspaper to look for him. Is my father still alive? There was no response. There was no news. And now after 45 years, as a father myself, as a grown-up man, I stand in front of you. I still ask the same question. Is my father still alive? Why is this question so important? Each one of us in our heart, we are asking the same question. Your stories may be different from mine. Yours may, may not be as traumatic or dramatic as mine. But each one of us, we were born with the same searching question. Is my father still alive? Maybe for most of us, you ask the question, is my spiritual heavenly father still alive? When you go through crisis, when you go through your tragedies in life, the pain in your life, you ask yourself, where is God? Is God still alive? Didn't you? If God is alive, why did He not heal me? If God is alive, why is that He did not protect me? <laughs> is my God still alive? We all ask this question. Maybe some of you here this morning, this is your first time walking into a church. You're not familiar with this church thing. I want you to know, this is a deep question for you. Is God still alive? <laughs> for Joseph, he must know. He must have the answer because his identity as well as his destiny hinges around that question. Is my father still alive? If my father is no longer alive, then I must be an orphan. <laughs> I am an orphan. <laughs> if my father is still there, I am a son. I am loved. I belong to someone <laughs> that I have an identity. That there must be a purpose in my life. How is your relationship with God? Are you sure? Are you clear? Are you enjoying and experiencing God not only as a master, but He's your Father that loves you? Because I believe all that God has for us and all that God is to us is found in just one word. And that word is Father. <laughs> Come to the Father. Pastor Ed. Unstoppable dream. What, has what does it have to do with Father? <laughs> it has everything to do. Because God is, is an unstoppable God. And therefore, we have every reason to say, therefore, <laughs> He has given me an unstoppable dream. And He will make sure that I will never be stopped by anyone or anything to fulfill that God-given dream that He has given to me. <laughs> a few months ago, I have a daughter of 18 years old. Parents, you know what that is like, 18 years old. And uh, she told me that she was going hiking with a few friends. And I started asking for more details. And I found out 
There were two boys and another girl together with her, so therefore two boys and two girls going for a hike. And I casually asked her, I said, can I go with you? You know, my, my daughter is very gentle, and uh, she was kind of, you know, nicely telling me off and said, you know, do you really need to go with us? <laughs> and I didn't have anything to do that day. And I said, yeah, I think I'm serious about going. <laughs> and I think it's a good thing. It's an exercise. So finally, after much persuasion, I went with them. And I met her friends for the very first time, school friends that I've never met before. Two boys and another girlfriend. And the four of them, plus myself, an odd one, the fifth one, on the team, and we started our journey. But I sensed some awkwardness. You know, these two boys didn't talk to me very much. They were not that friendly. They were, they were respectful, but they were not friendly. I can feel that I was not welcome, or they feel a little bit awkward. So, but nonetheless, we walked. And uh, I was walking behind. I was taking some pictures. And, uh, but then I noticed, you know, it was a difficult walk. It was quite a very difficult. I thought hiking is simple. You walk slow, and you stop anytime you want. But this is very different. They were walking, and they were walking fast. We went up the hill, we went down the hill, and there was no sign of slowing down. There was no sign of stopping for a break. I couldn't believe it. And now, into 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I was getting tired. I wanted to take a break, but they were not stopping, and I was kind of embarrassed. Then I was sensing, I think they are deliberate. They're trying to get rid of me. This old man trying to follow. And I was telling myself, I will be unstoppable. I'm a fighter. <laughs> I'm a fighter. You know, these young punks, you know, I'm going to stop this old, old guy. And I walk and I walk and into 60 minutes now. I suddenly realized I cannot carry on. I almost fainted, actually. Literally, I, I was feeling cold sweat coming out of me. Now, I was so embarrassed. And I tried to pretend everything was okay. And they were sensing that I was far left behind. They said, Uncle, are you all right? I said, no problem. I'm okay. I'm slowing down to take some pictures. And finally, I can pretend no longer. I had to call them, please stop. <laughs> I think I'm fainting. I said, how long more? How long more? They said, one more hour to go. I said, my goodness, I'm not going to walk for two hours and make a comeback another two hours, four hours. I said, I cannot survive. I believe I will faint. They're going to call the ambulance. <laughs> they managed to stop me. Finally, I told them, I think you better carry on, carry on. I will turn back. Don't worry about me. <laughs> they stopped me. Earthly father, I failed my mission. I got a good news for you. Your heavenly Father is not limited in His strengths. He will watch over you. He is unstoppable. He is a protective Father. I was a protective Father. But I couldn't protect my daughter. I think she needed to protect me. You have a protective Father. He is unstoppable. Today, I'm a messenger that have come to deliver this news to you. That don't stop. The dream that He has given to you. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. That dream that you're thinking of right now, it is God's given. Carry on. Your church, your pastor, has this vision at this moment, at this time for the next four months to come back, to revisit that, that plan that God has for you. 
that dream. Don't shove it away. This is a season where every man and every woman, it doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you, you said, I'm retired, Pastor. You're not talking to me today. You are wrong. As long as you are still breathing, that dream is still there. It's yet to be fulfilled completely. Joseph asked, is my father still alive? That God is still alive. I like the movie that, entitled, that is entitled, God is Not Dead. <laughs> Some of us who grew up in the church for a long time, we used to sing that chorus, God's not dead. He is alive. Today, your God is not dead. <laughs> and therefore, the dream should not be too, insen- too sensitive, but the other one too insensitive. They tend to either minimize or magnify that wrongdoing. But in Joseph's case, he neutralized. He rendered powerless the words that his brother said to him to hurt him. He will not allow the actions, the deeds that they did against him to control his life. He rendered it powerless. You see, I think this is the right attitude. When someone hurt us, whether intentionally or accidentally, don't overlook it. Don't overplay it. Neutralize it. That he has no control over you. That he has no control over your children, the next generation. He has no control over your family. He has no control over your businesses, your workplace. That you will not allow a decision is made because as a reaction from what others did to you. Not a reaction. But I also understand that in life, we need all need to learn the art of compromising. Compromise. You see, all of us here who are still married, you know you're still married because you learn one thing, because of compromising. Compromising means to give and take. So many of you who are still with this church for a long time, so many of you that I met, because we learn to compromise each other, a win-win situation. Someone said, the man who says sorry when he is not sure if he is wrong is a humble man. But the man who says sorry when he is wrong is an honest man. But still, the man who says sorry even when he is right, he is a husband. Obviously, ladies, you know, it's just a joke. <laughs> you know, don't take the sin done to you too seriously. But deal with it courageously as well as honestly. But the second point I'd like to share with you, not only to neutralize the sin done to you, but to magnify what God did for you. Uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. Two more passages, all right? Then we will have ministry time. In verse 19, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. And let me add, but you can't hurt me. Na, 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 na. You can harm my body, but you cannot hurt my feelings unless I allow you to do that. You see, it is true. Nobody can hurt you 
unless you give them permission to. You cannot stop them from plotting. You cannot stop them from harming you. You have no right to even stop. Don't even try to. But always guard your heart. Do not allow yourself to be hurt, to be offended. Why? He says, but God intended it for good because Joseph is a man that constantly look up and not look around or look behind. He's seeing that my father is still alive. My God is still alive and he will protect me, that he will provide for me, that he will make and pave a way for me. That God intended it for good because God's plan, I know, is always greater than the evil plot of my brothers. That my God, my heavenly Father, His goodness will overcome and override the wickedness of man. That He will work out for good for all of those who loved Him. No matter what happens around us. It is hard to believe, my friend. I know, it is so difficult. But Joseph believed that the harmful intention of man not only cannot hurt him, but will bring him closer to God's dream for his life. So as they threw him into the pit that day, little did they know, they thought that they were stopping the dream. Little did they know that they were helping Joseph to take the very first step to pursuing the dream because the dream came to pass because of the pit. If there is no pit, there will be no prison, there will be no pharaoh. If there is no prison, then there will be no prince. <laughs> it was because of the pit. <laughs> when they were trying to get rid of Jesus, oh Jesus, three years of ministry became a threat to all the religious group. Wow. He taught with authority. Signs and wonders accompanied the message and the messenger. They said, we will go out of business. I mean, we're going to lose our members to uh, Pastor Jesus' church. I think there's one thing we should be doing. Let's plot against him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of Jesus. They could not find fault with Jesus. So they make up something. They have one of his disciples to betray him with 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> but they didn't know. As they sent him to the cross, to Calvary that day, they were helping Jesus to fulfill his dream. Every kick, every slash, every mock, every beating that they put on Jesus, they were helping Jesus to go closer and closer and closer to the dream. Joseph here says, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good. Behind the harmful action, that we experience is God's good intention for us. Do you know it? Can you see it? Do you believe in it? I want to encourage you. Don't look at what man has done to you. Would you look at what God is doing for you? <laughs> they put Joseph into the pit, but God turned that pit into a palace. They make him a prisoner, but it turned out to be God crowned him to be a prince. They sold him as a slave, but God sent him as a son. They rejected him, but guess what? God selected Joseph among so many of his brothers. God handpicked and selected Joseph. Their purpose was to destroy Joseph, but God delivered Joseph. 
they attacked Joseph. That very day, that first day into the pit, they threw him. That was the day Joseph got anointed. Joseph was forgotten by man when he was in the prison, but he was favoured by God. Every crisis and every cries that they put on Joseph, it led Joseph to the Christ, the saviour of his life. You see, there is always the other side of the coin, the other side to that same story, your story and mine, because you are the Joseph in this story. Is it correct? <laughs> One more passage, Genesis 45, verse 5 to verse 8. How did Joseph magnify what God did for him instead of what man did to him? Verse 5, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because say with me, you sold me. Come on, you can do better than this. You sold me. You sold me here. But, say with me, God sent me. <laughs> I love this. this. This part should be louder. Come on, God sent me. God sent me before you to preserve life. This, this, this is a paradox. You sold me here, but God sent me here. So who put you here? It all depends on how you view life. It could have been the reverse. He could have said, God sent me here, but you sold me. You sold me here, but it was God who sent me. In verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me, but God, let it be clear. Because my God is unstoppable and He has given me a dream and therefore my dream is unstoppable. I refuse to stop. I refuse to pause. I refuse to be detoured. I refuse to go back. I'm moving forward no matter what. So question is, if I ask, how was Joseph in Egypt? What is the answer? How was Joseph in Egypt? Was it because of the sin of his brothers? that sold him there, or because of God's plan, God's sovereignty, God's wisdom, divine wisdom, that God sent him. Joseph had always been sent, even though he was sold by men. And let me ask you, how are you here today? How did you end up in KL? How did you land in that job, that work? Or that marriage? That family that you're with. It's very personal. You need to answer that question. Can I encourage you? Obviously, you know what the answer should be. That each one of us, we must be able to say this morning, now I can see that God sent me. That God put me in this marriage. This marriage is not a prison for me. that this marriage is my palace. I'm not a slave in this circumstance. I'm God's son because I was not sold. I was sent. You see, tomorrow when I go to work, my work can either be, my office can either be a prison or a pit. But today, I pray that at the end of the service, I can pray for you and minister to you 
that you'll be bold and courageous to say, I'm going to turn things around, make things different now. And that difference begins with me. Because when I change, all the people around me will change. Even though I cannot change them. I'm going to inspire them to change. I'm going to go to my office tomorrow with a different attitude. That I'm given ownership. It doesn't matter what position I hold in my workplace. That that is going to be my palace. That I'm a prince in this place. That I take ownership and responsibility. It could be a school. It could be your neighborhood. I don't know what circumstance you're in. It could be even church. That I'm not limited. That I'm now liberated. To serve as a son. Because a son serves out of privilege. But a slave serves out of obligation. That it is not optional. You see the two different attitude and mindset right here? Because my father is still alive. I'm doing this for my father. My father is cheering me on. I'm a son. I'm sent. I'm not a victim of circumstance. That I'm a victor. I'm here to bless. I'm here to fulfill my father's agenda. <laughs> How are you here today? You may be a victim of a circumstance or of relationship. It doesn't matter. Each one of us, we have those experiences. But you and I must be able to say, I can see the hand and the plan of God. I've been in Hong Kong for close to 20 years now, 19 and a half. When I first went to Hong Kong, it was because, I'm embarrassed to tell you, because I got no other place to go to. I was hurt in the ministry. It wasn't their fault because I was too weak. I left ministry. The dream that God gave to me, man could stop that dream from coming to pass. So I left ministry for a while. I was in Singapore. I left ministry. I could not forgive. I stopped growing. I was still in church. I mean, churches. Churches. I was visiting, visiting many churches. And I could remember every Sunday for that few months. In fact, for the first two years, I couldn't get over it. I would be standing there. We were visiting churches. We weren't, we weren't committed to any church. Because we were hurt in ministry. We, we cannot trust anymore. I would sit there in worship and I would be crying. I would be in tears. I wasted my two years. <laughs> and when I arrived in Hong Kong, my only agenda in Hong Kong was to be mentored by Pastor Cloud. He spoke here and he sent greetings to you because he's speaking at our church this weekend. Because I was looking for a mentor. And there was the offer that came. And we came. We arrived in Hong Kong. But when my friends came and said, you know what, you're a missionary in Hong Kong, you were sent to Hong Kong. I was with Trinity Christian Center. They claimed that I'm their missionary. <laughs> Till today, Dominic would say that. And I, and I told them, I mean, I, I, I would just, you know, I didn't say yes or no, but within my heart, I cannot say that I was sent. I felt like I was sold. Why were you there, Pastor Ed, if 20 years ago you asked me if I could articulate myself from this passage? I said, it's more like I was sold. And it was miserable. I was serving in the ministry in a great and a healthy church, a reputable church. But that became more like my pit and my prison than my palace. I was serving like a slave or a servant instead of a son. 
I wasn't liberated because I was hurting. I'm sure the church, they knew it. They could sense it or even they could smell it. I wasn't really growing. I was looking for a place of refuge. And finally, the healing came. And today I can say after 20 years, I'm in a palace. <laughs> now I could say, thank you to my brothers for selling me because God is sending me. Now I could write back all the thank you cards. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sincerely, thank you. If it's not because of the pit experience, I wouldn't be in my palace today. Thank you for allowing God to use you. And sincerely. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, there was a man who was sold by his brothers who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. But in reality, <clears throat> he refused to say that you sold me. He refused to say I'm a servant, but he said, my father sent me and I'm a son. And he went to his mission, he fulfilled his dream, unstoppable dream, victoriously. He went to the cross for us. Can you imagine if Jesus would be bitter and say, you sold me? It will be an unacceptable sacrifice on that cross. His dream was fulfilled. Today I'm speaking to all the Josephs in this room. God has given you a dream. What is stopping you from fulfilling that dream? Can you say at the end of the service before you leave in the next seven minutes to say, I am sent, not so, because I'm a son and daughter, not a slave. Would you all stand as the musicians come? This is ministry time. We have about five more minutes. As, as they sing the chorus, if God is speaking to you in the area of forgiveness, whatever areas He's speaking to you today, I know that it is something personal. I want you to respond. Would you? It's not about me. It's all about you today. By coming forward, you say, Pastor Ed, I'm going to live an unstoppable dream. Therefore, I cannot be stopped from coming down. You could even be standing there. But you say, God, I cannot be stopped my dream. And therefore, I'm going to take the next few steps to come. Because you're speaking to me. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to step into my house this evening as a prince and princess and not a prisoner. I'm going to turn my workplace, my home, wherever I am, my ministry, into a palace and not a prison or a pit. Today, I'm going to declare to the people around me that my God is still alive, that He's watching over me, <laughs> that He is always a winner and He's on my side. If that is you, if that is you and you want to be here at the count of three as we sing this chorus, would you just take a few steps and come quickly and the altar workers will be here, will be praying for you and the pastors. Would you do that? Alright, are you ready? At the count of three, just come. Don't wait for anybody else. You could be the only Joseph today that says, I'm not going to be stopped. You could be the only one. Today I say, I will be the first. It is me. <laughs> it is me. At the count of three, would you come? One, two, three. Just come to the front. Come to the altar. Come. Don't be shy. Just come. Don't wait for another person. If God is speaking to you, then you come. 